Blog Talk Radio. You're tuned in to Dynamic Dojo Talk TV with, with Rusty and Cash. Your source for martial arts talk right here on Facebook Live Video. live here on Facebook is because I'm trying to integrate um, phone calls um, again. Uh, previously, when I first started this uh, this particular show, I was on Blog Talk Radio exclusively, and it was audio only. And, um, you know, while you could leave comments and stuff like that on Blog Talk Radio, you had to go you had to go to a completely different website outside of the Facebook uh, outside of the Facebook thing, and um, it was kind of difficult to keep track of uh, the show and, and stuff like that because it was audio only, and um, you know, and it, and there's just something different about video. You know, there's a little bit more how should we say interactive? Yes. Something, right? Well, it's always nice when you can see the person's face who's talking and yeah. the person you get to know. And, you know, that, that just makes a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're trying that. So with that said, we're going to be using our old Blog Talk Radio number, which is right up there, 347-677-0699. And uh, the phone line's open at 630. That kind of freaks me out. It's the flooding above our head like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I know at least it doesn't move around. That would like be kind of weird. But anyway, um the phone lines won't open until about 6:30 after our first segment and after our break. And uh if you're feeling up to it to talk about this evening's subject, this evening's subject is where do you see your martial arts practice and your style? or your dojo in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. And uh, while we're at it, what do you guys think martial arts in general, where do you guys think martial arts in general are going to be in about 10, 20 or 30 years? Right. Cause I mean, let's, for example, um, it's 2019. So 20 years ago, right. Would be 2009. Wait, 2009. Right. right? Yeah. Right. No, wait, that was two, 10 years ago. 20 years ago. 1999. Right. When did the when did the whole UFC mixed martial arts thing? 1993 come out? was 1993. the year. Okay, so a little more than 20 years ago, there was this unknown thing called the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Uh, challenge. Ultimate, Ultimate Fighting, fighting challenge. challenge. Yeah, yes. that's right. Uh, okay. The Ultimate Fighting Challenge and. I remember those ones, right? Nobody wore the tidy, tidy shorts and the UFC gloves and anything like that. They wore their geese and everything, right? And it was just, you know, martial art against martial art, you know? And uh, But now look where it is, 20-something years later, right? So where do you guys think that's going to be? Where do you guys think karate is going to be, traditional martial arts? Where, is it, where do you guys think the evolution of martial arts is going to be in 10, 20, or 30, 40, 50 years? We're interested in seeing what your predictions are, okay? All right, 
Uh, of course, you can always comment down below. But, you know, if you want to join us up there, 347-677-0699 at around 630. All right. So, Sifu Allen Goldberg says that um, his event in Atlantic City is January 24th, 25th, and 26th, the Mega, Mega Martial Arts, Arts Weekend. Weekend. Woo! You know, yes, you know, I'm so excited because it's going to be my first time going. I know, you know, Sifu, Sifu Allen, you had sent me several invitations, probably gave well, up after the us. fourth one yeah. because I couldn't go. But this time, I think I'm going to be able to go. And Kat wants to go, and it'll be really cool. And uh, we will be more than happy to come down there, mic in hand. And, uh, and cover the show. And cover cover your events. Cover your events. On the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. All right. Dustin Bustos is watching us. And uh, Shanna Rice de Reyes is joining us. Rick Harrison is also joining us. And Tina Fuller is Tina. watching. Yay. All right. So let's move on with the show. I've got some birthdays. I can uh, go ahead and say mine if you want to pull up your birthdays. Go for it. Because <laughs> I didn't look at any of my birthdays. Okay. So, getting on with the birthdays, I got to find some birthday stuff here. So, let me uh, do, do, do. Let me get some stuff up here. Where is my birthday stuff? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okie dokie. So, starting, starting today, today we've got Vince Maurer. He used to be a student of mine. And he's having a, a birthday today. We've also got tomorrow on the 30th, Rose Ramos Acevedo and Helen Stone Moore having their birthday tomorrow, the 30th. Um, on Wednesday, October 2nd, we've got one of my uh, prior students, Anissa Newton, having a birthday. On Thursday, October 3rd, Sifu Chen Yen Li. Um, and right here in Seattle, and uh, some of you might remember that we had broadcasted live from her Wushu studio a few times. Um, also on the 3rd is Joe Rebello. On Friday, October 4th, we've got Catherine Lair-Sumter having a birthday Yay. alongside Tim Preter, Larney Burla, Wayne Riley, and Chrissy Rickman. And Saturday, October 5th, a uh, woman that is near and dear to my heart and was one of the people that uh, motivated me to continue martial arts back in the 1980s when there were very little women. And that's uh, Malia Bernal. And uh, she's having a birthday and an old Botoku Khan. happy birthday. Uh, not an old because he's not old. Well, we're all turning old, but anyway, but <laughs> from uh, my old buddy from uh, Butokukan Karate, Filo Del More is also having his birthday on Saturday the 5th. And who do you have for birthdays, Erkat? Okay, I have Kelly Jacoby. <clears throat> now, she's the she was the former wife of uh, um, Jacoby's who, if you remember... <laughs> If anybody remembers my last world title fight, there were um, ring, there was a the ring card girl, but guys came out and were holding my belts out, and they one by one they were holding my belts, uh-huh. and um, the Jacobis were one of them, the two brothers, and the wife wife, wife was Kelly. Oh, and, nice. And then we have uh, James and Jay, 
and two others. It reads, wait, Mike Tomasilli. You mentioned yeah. that already, yes? No. No. Okay. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Ricky Anderson. He was um, he was in my corner in my very first world title fight. Uh-huh. And what a great uh, what a great cornerman and one of my one of my favorite people in the whole wide world um, was Kate McGregor Stewart and she is a really accomplished and phenomenal actress as well as acting coach and um, gave her husband uh, some boxing lessons. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's that's all I have for the moment. All right. Well, for everyone ha- having a birthday this week, this too is for you. Let's go south of the border for this one. Let's see if this will work. Here we go. Hola. You. It's your birthday. We're here to party and sing to you. He's from me. Hope you are bueno. The fun will reign the whole day through. From the gulf to the mountains, the city lights and fountains, we hope your birthday's excellente. You are another year older, so perhaps you should be generally awesome. Because today is your day. Hola. You deserve a grand fiesta, and later on fiesta, and the best of everything. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I just want a margarita. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, let's move on with some announcements and upcoming events. Do you have any upcoming events or anything like that coming up on your end from any of your friends or anything like that? Um, no, that Joe Lewis is having their um, their rekindling uh, their association, even though Joe Lewis has passed, and they're going to be having a whole weekend of all kinds of training and going on. And this is going to be in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, When's this at? It's the 18th, 19th, and 20th of October. Oh. Yeah. Soon, very soon. Um, so in, in honor of Joe Lewis, uh, that whole organization is going to just bring back uh, all kinds of instructions and teachings and, and um, cool stuff. Nice. Very cool. Very, very cool. And you're going to this, right? Yeah. I'm going to go teach. Nice. Yay. Very cool. Yay. Awesome. Who else is joining us since we uh, last uh, looked at our board here? We've got Mark Gonzalez watching, Amy Kerniger. Hi, Amy. And Marvin Newton watching. Hey, I just put a shout out, Marvin, to Anissa's birthday. I just, you missed the shout out. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you heard it, but I, I mentioned her birthday because it's right here on my notes, right there. Right there. (laughs) You see it? Yeah. Yes, folks, we have notes. And you know why? Because wouldn't it be great that we could just, you know, memorize every damn thing that we that we do here on uh, on the show? Ain't happening. Wouldn't that be great? And yeah, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) All right. So I've got one event. Um, This is the only one I can find so far. It is. a biography screening and book signing by Michelle Manu. Um, yeah. Now Michelle Yay. Manu is a teacher of an art called Kaivalu Lua. Lua is a uh, Hawaiian martial art and, um, and the uh, Kaivalu Lua is in uh, regards to the Kaivalu method of, um, 
of Lua that she teaches that was passed on to her by uh, by the founder of that method, uh, Solomon Kaivalu, who unfortunately passed away a few months ago. Bless his heart. Bless his soul. So um, on Sunday, October 6th, from uh, 4 p.m. onward, starting at 4 p.m., um, the Martial Arts History Museum is going to be hosting the biography screening and book signing of Michelle Manu. Uh, 4 p.m. is the screening of her new biography DVD and the release of her first book called The Weaponry of Kaivalu Lua. It's going to be a great event, and uh, Michelle will not only have her book available, but uh, possibly her calendar as well. So if you, I guess that means if you want to see about scheduling a seminar about the weapons of Kaivalu Lua or the empty hand fighting, all of it, all of it is great. I, you know, Lua, you know, I've only had a chance to study with Kumu Michelle a few times. And each time it's just a, an amazing uh, combination of history um, and, and art and, uh, and, warrior spirit the whole nine yards it's so awesome you know um so support michelle go to the event it's going to be at the martial arts history museum in burbank on magnolia boulevard i forgot the exact address but it's a free event there is no entry fee so go get your booty up to the martial arts history museum and support kumu michelle Manu. Yay. Yay. Awesome. Hey, Chris Pilateri is watching. How you doing, Sensei Chris? Eric Dutra is watching as well. Michael Blackburn, how are you? Thanks for watching. Uh, Sifu Peter Chan is also watching. And Philip Vaca, also watching. All right. That's it for my news events. I think it's... Uh, I think it's time to move on to the health news. I gotta find my health news stinger here. Let's let's bump it up here. All right. So for the health news, it's um I don't know if it's so much health news as it is just information, right? Okay. So this is um all about vegetables that you might have never heard of or might have overlooked. I'm going to start. We're going to do five of them, and I'm going to start with the first one. Uh, and if you have heard of these and, and do eat them, then great. But a lot of people haven't, so that's why I'm I'm going over these. All right, so the first one is sweet potato greens. Yes, the leaves that you get when you grow sweet potatoes. Yum. They are in incredible and they are delicious raw or cooked especially the way I do it you just stir fry it with garlic really quick until they wilt you know and uh you Filipino can, style Filipino style well you know <laughs> Filipino style is any vegetable sauteed in garlic <laughs> but you know that's you know Chinese as well right? so, of course <laughs> So anyway, sweet potato greens. So if you grow sweet potatoes, you know, you don't necessarily have to throw out the greens or, you know, feed them to the pigs. You can eat them yourself. So, and Kat's going to do the next one. Okay, the next one is garlic scapes. Garlic scapes. That's what the awesome. heck is a garlic scape? It's the tops. It's the, oh, tops, the tops. The tops of the garlic. Although garlic scapes are becoming more and more popular and widely coveted by the foodie and chef community, the less than 
conventional vegetable is still unknown to most, which is yeah, is unknown to me. Garlic scapes, commonly um, shortened to just scapes, are the curly shoot-like stalks growing from the bulb of the garlic plant. Huh. Garlic shoots. Who thought? <laughs> like the roots of a potato. Yeah, you know, ah. kind of like the stuff that came that, that came up out of her garden. Just Got almost, it. Yeah, like that. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So you just let them go bad, and they grow roots, and then you eat the roots. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wait, well, uh, you know, wait, you'll I'm end up kidding. you'll end up with scapes if you let the garlic, you know, sit. You know, and that those are scapes. Technically, if you let you know your bulb sit, you know, in your kitchen for that long, right, right, okay. you can actually start growing the scapes. Technically, put them in the dirt, and you will have. How about that? Yeah, well, scapes are harvested at the beginning of the growing season, typically late spring in the middle or the middle to the middle of summer, if I could read. The direct more to direct more of the plant's energy into developing the bulbs intense flavor. A popular way to prepare scapes is to blend them into a pungent pesto, but they're also fantastic when treated like asparagus and grilled or roasted. With a sprinkle of sea salt. Mm, Yum. That, that sounds, sounds good. Cool. I know, doesn't it? Want to, makes, <laughs> it does. me, makes me want to like, net, net, well, I mean, now we got to like grow garlic and, you know, see mm. if we can get scapes. We can go garlic. Yeah. We can do that. All right. Number three is the purple sweet potato. Um, also going by the name of Stokes Purple or as what we call it in the Philippines, ube. Um, so this purple sweet potato or ube or Stokes purple is in the morning glory family. It has a rich, deep flavor and can sometimes be slightly denser and drier than its orange uh, relative, you know, the regular yam and stuff. What the purple sweet potato lacks in texture, it gains in striking appearance. Purple sweet potatoes should be used the same way that you'd use an orange sweet potato. And they're starting to come to become regularly available at most con- conventional grocers. Purple sweet potatoes are loaded with antioxidants and are known to prevent cardiovascular disease, fight cancer, boost immunity, and lower inflammation. All right. What's our next uncommon vegetable that people may or may not have heard of? Well, here's another one that I have not heard of. Sunchokes. These hardy tubers are high in dietary fiber and have a mild artichoke flavor. Something worth noting is that the vegetable is made of carbohydrates, called inulin, which the human digestive system has a harder time digesting. This can be this can lead to flatulence <laughs> if, <laughs> if overconsumed. Sunchokes are wonderful blended into soups or added into vegetable mashes. Nice. Yeah. And that's all it says about that. Awesome. All right. So there you go, folks. So a few. Oh, that's right, fiddleheads. Because <laughs> we're more. we got one more. Oh my goodness! All right, number five is fiddleheads. Some of you guys might have had these. I've had them once. They are absolutely delicious. Fiddleheads, fiddleheads also known as fiddlehead ferns or fiddlehead greens, are the curled fronds of a young fern plant that are harvested as a vegetable. So you know, like young ferns, it's got like the the tips. Oh, they curl over. They're okay, called yes. they're called fiddleheads. Fiddleheads. And the fiddleheads have thunk. yeah, the fiddleheads have a very short growing season. So you know, if you find fiddlehead ferns out in the wild, you know you have to go out there, <laughs> uh, you know, quickly harvest them quickly. And they have a taste and texture similar to asparagus. You can find these rare treats at your local farmers markets in the springtime. 
for perfection. You want to wash your fiddleheads very well and saute them gently with some ghee and garlic. Can't mm. go wrong with butter and garlic ever, 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 especially with something that tastes like asparagus, right? But um, anyway, I had uh, many years ago, I think it was about 20 something years ago, I had fiddleheads and it was incredible. I'm like, where, 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 where do I get these, right? <laughs> what store sells these? Exactly, right? How can I grow them? Exactly. Well, you just grow fiddlehead ferns, just grow oh. ferns, you know? You know, another one is Moringa, or known in the Philippines uh, as Malungay. 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 Tell us about the Moringa tree. Oh, I'd like to look it up and at some point and talk about it on another day because there's so much that's good about it and good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. Yep. Well, all right. It is time for weirdness of the week. I pulled up our banner for that and here we go. I think. All right. So <laughs> boom, boom. Ba-dum, boom. Well, you want to hear the rim shot? Did you want to hear it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for this weirdness of the week, this <laughs> this had me laughing. You know, I I really look forward to uh, looking up weird weird stories because it just you know some of the some of the stuff is just amazing. Okay. So this uh, hails from this story hails from Australia, and. Uh, the Australian wing of Domino's Pizza posted a job opening for $20 an hour. Um, and that position might be worth the trip down under because you could get a job as a chief garlic bread taster. <laughs> 20 bucks an hour? 20. That's it. I'm gone. 20. <laughs> See 20 bucks an hour. That's Put right. We're off all you. That's right. <laughs> Hold on, folks. Um, Domino's posted a job opening on LinkedIn and uh, that said it was uh, seeking a chief garlic bread taster to spend one day, one day, making $20 an hour giving feedback on garlic bread and other Domino's menu items. One day. One day. (laughs) One day. Now, I don't know if this job has already been taken because this story came out on the 27th, okay? The posting says the ideal candidate has a minimum of five years' experience in garlic bread consumption. (laughs) Five years' experience. And Wait, wait, five consecutive years? How many days a week and... How many weeks in a month? I know. I don't. How many months in a year? I don't know. I don't know. But you have to have. You have to have a minimum of five years' experience in in garlic bread consumption. All right. And I think most of America is good with that. Yeah. And oh, let's see. Let's um, let's uh, get this uh, middle middle thing out of the way here. Oh, can't see us. Scoot in, cat. Scoot in. There we go. Okay, so you also need to have a deep understanding of the pizza and garlic bread relationship. And you also have to have, I kid you not, I'm not making this up, that you have to have working taste buds, have burned your fingers at least once, not being able to wait for the garlic bread to cool down, and has a history of, of reviewing other people's food choices, solicited and or unsolicited. 
Applicants are asked to submit a 200-word essay or 30-second video explaining why they would be the best candidate for the job. Applications are being accepted through October 7th. Okay, so oh. they haven't actually they haven't actually um, filled the position yet. Now, here's the cool thing. Janie so. saw that ad because she's on LinkedIn a lot. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Go, Janie. <laughs> That's only one day. Will they fly you over? Yeah, right. <laughs> so go figure. You know, and you know, John says, I'm Italian. I have a lifetime <laughs> to taste the garlic bread. You yeah, know, no kidding. when I used to work for Shakey's Pizza, making garlic garlic bread was my favorite thing to do. And sauteed mushrooms and stuff like that. So and I was one of those people that if I pulled out, you know, a huge pan of the garlic bread or whatever, I would just kind of like grab one and put it up to the side because that was what I was going to eat <laughs> after the or, all the orders went out, right? I would always put an extra one out there for me. Yeah, it was awesome. All right. So that's that for the weird news. <laughs> weird news. Weird, huh? Yeah. Yep. Kinda all right. Cool. Yeah, it is. All right. Let's go to Cat's Corner. I think. Oh, I have a corner. Okay. Have a corner. Okay. All right. Let's put up your uh let's put up your little uh thingy here. And ta da, there it is. Ta da. All right, so from the ticker today, Anonymous <laughs> Anonymous says, um, Cat, I am good at following in my kickboxing classes, but I have a hard time doing freestyle shadow boxing or creating combinations on the heavy bag on my own. I'd really like to work out on my own, but outside of class, but what do I do? I can't remember stuff. Okay, that's a good question. Um She's thinking. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where if you can't remember, then what you need to do is spend some time in class writing down the combinations or ask the instructor who's teaching the kickboxing class to write down the different combinations that they covered that day. And then you can practice those in the air at home mm-hmm. in shadow boxing. And if you do that, Every single time you go to class, you write down what the combinations are. Then you will have combinations that you can do in the air mm. in shadow boxing. And that will help you remember. It will help cement it in your muscle memory, and it will help you remember things. So in that respect, um, you may not be able to do it immediately, but start writing down what the combinations are mm. that your instructor gives you. Now, I had a, I've had a few students uh, that had similar um similar concerns when learning stuff like, uh, like kata, right. For example. Right. And, um, and I told them to write it down, but then they, they kind of felt like, how should we say they kind of felt like as if they didn't know what they were doing, if they had to refer to their notes, they didn't know know how to write it down. No, no, no. It's not so much. They didn't know how to write it down, but more like they, they, you know, like, for example, if they were practicing their forms, they their concern was, you know, it doesn't look like they know what they're doing if they have to, like, you know, do a form with their notebook in their hand or to, to stop in the middle and refer back to it. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, then there's a couple ways of going about it. I mean, when it comes to kata, that's different. But hitting, throwing punches and in, in combinations in the air, uh-huh. um, 
I don't know how the instructor would feel about it, but you could ask ask if you could videotape it and just ask him to demonstrate what it would look like in the air. Right. And, you know, you can just watch the video for a while mm-hmm. and practice it in the air, especially in front of the mirror, because then you get to see what your own mistakes are when you're doing it. Um, because sometimes that mind-body connection isn't quite there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking in the mirror and you're watching yourself do it, then you'll go, oh, okay, I see how I'm dropping my hand when I throw my hook, my right hand drops. Or I see how I'm not pivoting when I'm kicking. And you, you know that when you don't have the balance, it doesn't feel right. So mm-hmm. in that respect, it, you could videotape it depending on how the instructor feels about it. Um, and you start with one combination at a time. And it may sound tedious and monotonous and boring, but you do one combination literally 50 times, mm-hmm. and then you go on to the next one. And that way you don't have to have your book in front of you. You don't have to have your phone in front of you because you've done it 50 times mm-hmm. or 100 times if, you, if you're inclined, if you have the time at home. I highly recommend that you just practice one combination over and over and over until you feel like you've got it down. And then you do the next one mm-hmm. and you do practice that over and over and over until you have that down. Right. Um, because it's not about learning the whole thing all at once. It's if you, especially if you're doing forms, you want to do them in bits, little bits and pieces mm-hmm. and eventually put it all together. I know that when I'm, you know, learning a particular uh, Chen style uh, Tai Chi form, I asked if I could please record the first three moves and then I recorded the next three moves and so far I haven't recorded any more because I'm working on those six moves until I get it down. Okay. Now John um John Lupo also mentions that he goes, I'm sure concerns about looking proficient or not would be a large part of why people don't write down information. And that's kind of where I was uh coming from too, John, was that I thought that uh, you know, maybe some people would be um, thinking that they look stupid if they have to, you know, constantly uh, well, refer to their. Well, wait, uh, wait, isn't that what learning is all about? Exactly. Now that, and, 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 you know, and that's the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, when people get too hung up on, do I look stupid? Do I look like I'm going to hold people back? Do I, you know, uh, am I being too slow or whatever? You know, that's only going to hinder you. It's not going to help you, you know. And I look at it this way. Let's, let, you know, just assume that you're in a class, a kickboxing class of like six people, and you're having a hard time remembering, you know, jab, cross, hook, for example. Okay. You know, personally, I think it's hard to forget that. But, you know, jab, cross, hook, the thing is, though, is if your body isn't used to, well, not only that, if you're brand new to martial arts or kickboxing yeah. or whatever it is, you're brand new to it. I mean, even you may have watched it a lot on TV, but you still actually yeah. physically doing it is a whole different animal. Exactly. So there's nothing yeah. wrong with. But my, I guess my my concern and point is is that you know, like Kat said, if you practice it over and over and over and over and over again, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times. Yes. Sorry, muscle memory will be a factor and it, at that point I really don't think it's a matter of oh I forgot you know um, at that point if you do it over and over and over and over again I think muscle memory that has kicked in and saying that you forget becomes a choice at that point. And also remember that you know it, muscle memory is is a real thing I mean your muscles will definitely remember as your subconscious mind has a definite idea of how to do it but 
it can become ingrained in your muscle memory to do it a certain way, but your goal is to make sure you're doing it the correct way. Mm-hmm. Because if you're doing it incorrectly, guess what? It becomes ingrained in your muscle memory to do it incorrectly. That's right. Every single time. That's so right. Practicing in front of the mirror so you can look at yourself and you can see your mistakes. Um, you know, maybe you don't know exactly what you're looking for, but if you've had an instructor who's like me, who reminds you constantly, <laughs> Keep your elbows down, you know, make sure you're pivoting, make sure your chin is down, make sure your hands are up, bring your hand back to your face, you know, and I know when you hear that over and over and over during class, you have to, you have to be able to catch yourself at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe you write down all those very important points when you're, when you're practicing. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you look bad. It makes you look like you actually do care about what you're learning. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. John writes, you know, for the most part, some people are probably afraid that they're being judged unfavorably. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with that, that some people, some, sometimes people might be, not all people, but some people might be afraid of being judged like, oh, what, you know, why does their boxing look like shit? Why does their, why does their roundhouse kick look so awful, even though they've been here for a year? You know what I mean? Well, if they're saying that out loud, then that that's something the instructor should be nipping in the butt immediately. Right. One, and that's horribly disrespectful because, you know, you could be easily judged for being, uh, you know, a judgmental asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a judgmental asshole. I see who you are. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Which means that you're secretly and quietly deathly afraid of looking like an idiot. Yeah. Yep. Um, And John hit it right on the head here. He says, if you've done something long enough, no matter how long you go without doing something, your body will remember. And that's why when people say, oh, I forgot it or something, I kind of go, um, even especially if I've made them do it over and 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 over again, and they get that belt that, 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 that shows that they could do it all by themselves. Oh, I forgot. No, you just chose not to dig in and have your body remember it. It becomes a choice at that time, at that point. You know, um, here's here's an interesting um, to bring that point home. Um, I have a black belt in Aikido that I earned when I was 17, mm-hmm. and I haven't done it at all since then until I was in Rusty's class and. Um, one of her upper belts and instructors, John, and I, we started doing Aikido. And suddenly it just all came back to me. I didn't think about how to do it. I didn't go, oh, how do you do that again? I just was doing it. Mm-hmm. Because we we went to just Aikido stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the names of all that, but I, I remember the motions. I remember the movements. I remember the stepping. I remember where you place your hands on the leverages, everything. I remembered it all. Well, at least my body was doing it. My mind was going, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) My body said, I got this. I got this and they'll do it. You know, if you do it over and over and over again, it's, it's, I look at it this way. It's just simple science, right? You know, your brain will make, you know, those, uh, you know, synapses over and over and over again. It will make those relationships between your your, your body and and your mind uh, and your hands and your feet and stuff like that. So when people say, I forgot, when they've shown that they could, then one of two things that happen, either they're choosing not to allow their body to remember or they just haven't practiced 
enough to to remember the exact sequence of movements. But even then, the the single the single motion will still be there. If you've done a jab, you know, 50 trillion times, I'm pretty sure you're going to remember how to throw a jab, no right. matter if you forget the, you know, six step combination. Right. That could so, also be just the, the horrible insecurity of, of, you know, understanding that, no, I haven't done this in a while and I'm afraid of looking like an idiot. Exactly. So I'm just going to say, I don't know. It. Yeah. And I think that's what John was talking about is when your ego kicks in and you're like, oh, I don't want to look stupid because I once was a, you know, a big fish in a little pond, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, come on, folks, get over it. <laughs> get over it. Hi. Hey, Michelle Reed. Yay. <laughs> I just wrote that. Yay. Michelle. Hello. All right. Lori. So, Lori, Lori, says, Lori says hello. Gerald Okamura is watching too. Gerald. What's up? Hi, Gerald. Michelle, love you. Yep. And Tony Archibek is watching. Hello, Master Archibek. How are you? Uh, Andrew Chen is watching. Hey, Andrew. All right. So that was that. Was that. Uh, um, that was uh, Cat's Corner. I don't know what which anonymous person asked that question, but I hope that answer is suffice. Yes. I hope it will suffice. Yes. So you know, just keep plugging in there. Just keep plugging in. All right, let's uh, let's do this, folks. Let's go ahead and take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about where were you in your martial arts training ten years ago, twenty years ago. 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, where were you? We want to hear from you. Give us a call. I'll post the uh, the phone number up top here during the break, and you, you're welcome to join us on the phone. Dustin Bustos. All right. right. Good point. What does Dustin say? Oh, here we go. Dustin says, uh, in regards to remembering stuff, you have to forget with your mind and remember with your hands and feet. It's got to be there uh, when you want it without thinking over and over. Uh, you're too sick of, of it, and that's how it happens, the, the auto, uh, auto, autonomic uh, yes. response of using um, those techniques. But you have to do them over and over again. Um, and at that point, it's a matter of discipline, self-discipline to be able to do what your coach says and says, okay, you know, if your coach says, I want another hundred of those, you know, crosses on the bag, then you better damn well do it because they know better, right? Yeah. So anyway, all right, let's go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the time machine. Where were you 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago in your martial art training and where do you think you're going to be in 10 20 30 or 40 years so don't go back don't go away folks don't go back don't go away folks we'll be right back after this <laughs> can't talk today hi i'm ryan seacrest for rad over 300 people in this country are killed every week by a drunk driver that's the equivalent of two 747 plane crashes every single week and the problem isn't going away unless we all do our part to stop it so if you see someone who's about to drive after drinking get the keys don't leave it up to anyone else friends don't let friends drive drunk a public service announcement brought to you by rad the national association of broadcasters and the ad council 
This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh! Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Packers. Vikings. We come from different places. Uptown. Downtown. We come to different conclusions. Half empty. Half full. But when we live united, we make a real difference in the building blocks of life. Children succeed in school. Families gain financial stability. The health of our neighbors improves, and suddenly so do our communities. Real change won't happen without you. Live united. So give, advocate, volunteer. Live united. Sign up today at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Greetings and welcome to the world's first and only Martial Arts History Museum. My name is Michael Matsuda. I'm founder and president of the museum. Designed as an educational facility, the museum is a fun place for young people and visitors to experience art, history, culture, and tradition and its relationship to the martial arts. Created as a timeline, it reveals how Asian history has had a unique and positive effect on American history. In just under an hour, visitors will be able to explore the culture and tradition of China, Japan, Korea, the Philippines, Thailand, and even Hawaii. You will be impressed with our section on the history of anime and the role Walt Disney played in changing the world. In our media section, visitors will enjoy reliving their past as they examine our historical timeline of martial arts and film, TV, and print. And as a bonus, visitors will get a thrill from our props from a variety of martial arts movies, including The Karate Kid, Kung Pao Movie, Revenge of the Ninja, Wendy Wu, Big Trouble in Little China, and many more. From Anime Wong to President Theodore Roosevelt, to Bruce Lee to Avatar The Last Airbender and The Ninja Turtles, the martial arts has not only transformed American history, but it changed the world. The museum is a fun and exciting place to visit for the whole family. All the displays here were designed by the artists from Disney, DreamWorks, The Simpsons, and Halloween Artists. If you are part of the Unified School District, head up a homeschool, boys and girls club, the Boy Scouts, or even church groups, your kids will have a fun time experiencing different cultures and Asian history. I know that there are many great museums out there for our kids to enjoy and explore. Now you can put the Martial Arts History Museum on that list of places to visit. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show. Your source for martial arts talk radio. Dynamic Dojo Talk TV with Rusty and Kat. So we are going to be talking a little bit about um, going back in time and just kind of uh, remembering where we were about 10, 20, 30 years ago or 
what have what have you. Okay, now some of us have been doing martial arts a lot longer. So if you were, you know, doing martial arts uh uh more than 40 years ago or whatever, let us know where were you 40 years ago in your martial arts training. So, um what about you, Cat? Let's start with Cat. Where were you 40 years ago? 40 years ago was what year? 19. That was a uh, 19 Wait a minute. It's 19 2019. So 40 years ago would be like 1979 or something like that. Did I get that right, folks? Is that 1979? 2019 minus 40 is, yeah, 1979. 1979. I was just starting in Aikido. Oh, nice. Yeah. How about that? 40 years ago. Very cool. Yeah. That's so cool. 40, <laughs> That's very cool. 41 years ago, I started uh, Butoka Kan Karate around uh, 1978. Yeah. So I just started. So in 1979, I was a yellow belt. Well, <laughs> I was a lowly yellow belt. In, in that year, I did get my first belt. So I think we were both yellow belts in 1979. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, I think I was a yellow belt. The, or no, wait, there was no such thing as a yellow belt in Patokokan. I was an orange belt. Sorry. It, it wasn't like that in Aikido. I don't belt. remember the belt in Aikido well, either. But it, was, it was it a the belt? Because it was like, because it usually would go like Juku, Kuku. Yeah, I don't remember, you know, but I did get promoted once. You know, Hachiku, Hachiku, yeah. that kind of so thing. So I was given right? one promotion in 1979. Nice. Yeah. Yep, I was the gym rat. Yep. I was a dojo rat. I think yeah. we all were. I think we all were kind of jo- the dojo, jojo rats. Jojo rats. Yeah, we were dojo, dojo rats. <laughs> dojo rats, that kind of thing. Um, well, okay, then let's fast forward just a little bit. So 30 years ago. So that's 1989. 1989? Yes. Who I had uh, just turned pro in kickboxing. Mm-hmm. I had my own school because I opened my first school when I was 19. And I had my own school. I was already a black belt in Kung Fu Sansu uh-huh. um, and Aikido. So just starting kickboxing. My Well, I just turned pro in 1989. Mm-hmm. And um, that was an interesting year. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I, let's see, what did I say? It was 1989? 89. Nine, eight, 1989, I was a Nidan in... Um, Putokukan Karate. I was also um, part of the uh, International District Lion Dance Team. Um, I learned lion dance when I was in high school under Sifu Tony Ao and uh, some of my Putokukan friends and I uh, joined the uh, lion dance team and we would uh, go around and do lion dances and, and stuff like that and have firecrackers fly up into the into the nice. lion and go absolutely like deaf, you know. Those were the days before, you know, we realized, oh yeah, loud noises will hurt your hearing. Yeah. Oh, whoops! <laughs> there are earplugs. What? You know. So what? What'd you say? What? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so there you go. Um, Let's see. John Lupo started started martial arts in 1979. Uh, Janie writes in and she goes, "I was surfing in 1989." And uh, Bo Jackson nice. said, "In 1989, I won a state championship in Taekwondo. I was a sophomore in, in high, high school. school." What? 
<laughs> what? <laughs> That's wow. awesome. I graduated in 1984. I graduated in 82. Oh, I feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. John goes, I was such a little hellion in 1989. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Amy Kerniger, who... Uh, Master Amy is a very skilled practitioner of Dose Pares and the Filipino Martial Arts Academy curriculum. My sister at arms, and she writes, 1979, I was a lowly four-year-old, not so worthy. Give it 20 years, and Amy K would meet Sifu Rusty and Guru Cheryl, and then Angel sang. <laughs> <laughs> Still Yay. writing high to this day, you know, and now look at her. God bless you. Master nice Amy K, we call her. Amy K. I'm just going to thank you on Cheryl's behalf. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and uh, Jane goes, I was surfing and playing softball in 1989. Um, oh, Yay. and John goes, no, I was answering uh, what year was 40 years ago. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Whoops. See, you know, there's 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 a slight lag in, in the uh, uh, time frame here like you know i think it's like a 15 second or 20 second lag or whatever from when we say something and then it gets to you guys so oh. yeah so it is kind of a time machine type of type of thing woo <laughs> and john goes i wasn't even a wiggler <laughs> in 1979 <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> and Zany goes Aikido, 1992 1993. to 1993. I didn't start um, learning Aikido under Bruce Bookman Sensei until about 1995, and that's when I actually started Iaido as well. I never made it to Shodan. I never um, tested for uh, sh- uh, Don rankings um, because it was. Um, the the class was uh taught by um uh, a senior member of uh sensei bruce bookman's aikido dojo there was a uh, ordained buddhist priest that uh, was at the dojo his name was uh patrick johnson and we had a zendo upstairs at the aikido school so after every i uh, after every um, Iaido practice, we would go upstairs into the zendo and, and do zazen. Nice. It was it was it was just beautiful. I mean, you know, and, and there was Iaido classes um, like during the week, but I took a weekend class because I couldn't do it. And um, you know, Sensei Patrick was teaching it, and then from there, I um, learned from several other people. Um, and, uh, but I just never tested, just never had the time to actually attend, uh, you know, a, a, an official dojo. I was taking classes out of, you know, Aikido dojos and stuff like that, but I didn't have the time to go to an actual, you know, Iaido style dojo. Cause there was a Muso, Muso Shindenru dojo out here, as well as a Muso Jikiden Eishinru dojo out here. And I just never had the time. Yeah. Boo, you know, but I still love it. I still practice to this day. Um gotten rusty because I haven't had a teacher over my shoulder going, Don't do that. Rusty, but, you, you got rusty? I I got rusty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all okay. right. Um Amy Amy Kate goes, John, what's a wiggler? I don't think I wanna know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt Stone says 
I was 21. I was a 21 year old infantryman running patrols in the DMZ between North and South Korea in 1989. Good times. In 1979, I was just a weird um, 11 year old. <laughs> yep, Dustin. Let's see. Uh, Dustin writes, I started training at nine years old. I'm 40 now. I got black belt in a couple traditional styles, Taekwondo, Hapkido, Kyokushinkai, under one of Mas Oyama's students, then trained with the Takaskas family for a few years, then Tai kickboxing, and then MMA, retired at age 30. Yeah, I um, studied with uh, Al Takaskas for a while, primarily, though, my lineage uh, falls under uh, Professor Terry Faircloth and then uh, Alda Costco's uh, kind of adopted our Kwon for a little bit. Um, um, however, you know, we we weren't considered, you know, official the Costco's one hop kindo because we didn't have the forms, right? We didn't have like foul yip and, and stuff like that, nor did we have like the, uh, you know, grabs at one, you know, letter A or whatever i forgot what it is right um because we we fell under a different lineage my my lineage kind of goes like this you know the costco's fairy cloth you know fairy cloth the costco joe clark that kind of thing so you know kaji cambo through and through had a and just had the honor of studying with uh alda costco's for a little bit uh primarily my uh my lineage is under professor terry fairy and Kajikambo. Um, yeah. And um, where are we at? Still 1979? 79. Okay. Yeah. So I was still teaching Butokukan at that time. Hadn't discovered Kajikambo Wait, yet. 79, you were how old? 79, I was Nidon, I don't know, 20 something? Because 66, 76, 79. 79, yeah. 66, 76, 79. So I was 23. No wait. No, I was, no, hold on. No, I wasn't. Hold on. Sixty six. You were twelve. I was twelve. Yeah. No, <laughs> hold on. Wait. Oh, that's right. Never mind. I wasn't a meet on. God, I don't know where. I don't know what the hell's going on. Seventy seventy eight. I started. We're at eighty nine now, right? Did we go to eighty nine? Because you. We're okay. Now we're at, okay, yeah. that's where I was at. That's where I was at. I was a meet on. Yeah. <laughs> I got my. Um, my showdown in 1982. I was a Nidon um, in 1989, and uh, and I was thinking about opening a dojo, but I was teaching at a bunch of community centers all over all over Seattle. I think like uh, three out of five days I was teaching out of a community center, or four out of five days I was teaching out of community centers. You know, that's a good way to do it. You, you have no overhead. Um, yeah, no overhead, but at the same time, though, you know, the thing that that was kind of a uh, not messed up, but it was hard for me was that, you know, if there was an event that was happening that fell during a class, I was not notified. So, you know, oh, we would that's we would show up for class and there'd be like, you yeah. know, somebody's party in there and we'd be like, uh, and we'd have to hold class upstairs and, you know, uh ping pong recreation room or maybe outside no, or maybe notifying is not cool no it wasn't but you know i get it but that's the thing you know it's a public thing and if some you know it, just, it was just wild but um but yeah i was thinking about opening up my own dojo because i you know wanted to have control over stuff like that right um all right so that was 
many years. Okay, so we're now at how about nineteen? How about nineteen ninety nine? Nineteen ninety nine. Where were I, you? I had um, retired from kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Had already. Uh, I was into professional boxing at that time. I started in nineteen ninety eight. So. <clears throat> Stayed in that for a few fights, literally, and then thought, you know, I didn't like the politics. And uh, I won't say what organization, you know, wanted to recruit me, um, but it was a big one. And uh, they wanted to, quote unquote, groom my career, which meant groom that. Groom your career. Uh, and, and they flat out told me what they were intending to do was was, you know, pick out nobody's people girls who had been training for like six eight months a year maybe and uh throw them in the ring with me and let me knock them out in a dynamic fashion and then build my career that way wow and i said well okay stop (laughs) (laughs) i am a five-time world kickboxing champion and i know i retired but you know i'm I'm still young and i can fight and i'm i'm perfectly happy i'm training with good trainers for boxing and you know, bring them, bring the, bring the good ones on. Let me earn my way up. And they just, you know, we butted heads and I just couldn't, I couldn't accept it. Well, why? I, I don't understand why they would have to they do that to build to, your career. I, I don't know. They wanted to, that I, I'm, I'm guessing that they wanted to build you up to be this, this incredible up and comer in just in boxing, the boxing right. who happened to be a kickboxer prior and then build it up that way. So that way, if there was a big match, it would be kind of like a thriller in Manila type thing. Exactly. You know? Okay. I get it. But All they right. really wanted me to just, they they wanted to give me, as they called them ducks and oh, just, yeah. you know, beat the, they wanted me to knock them out in dynamic fashion and really build my reputation and my career that way. Right. And I, I couldn't do it. And I said, Nah, so I got out of boxing. <laughs> wow. Oh uh, hell no. So, um, in 1999, I was, you know, main head. I was the head coach in several gyms, and um, hadn't hadn't opened a school yet. Mm. That's what I was doing in 1999. 1999, I had, um, well, I had uh, Batoka Khan Dojo in 1990. Well, I had left the, the school that I opened in 1983. Oh, okay. Left it, left it in 93, so left okay. it 10 years later. Yeah. So, yeah, 1990, I opened Inner Concepts Martial Arts that taught uh, Batoka Khan Karate. And um, 1990 was also when I met Professor Terry Faircloth and started learning Kajikembo. 1990. Yeah. Okay. And uh, when I started about ninety nine. I'm getting there. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot happened between you know 1989 and 1999. Right. In regards to Kaji Kambo and karate and stuff like that, right? So um, I started learning Kaj because I, you know, I just wanted something that was um, a little bit more street defense oriented. I mean, granted, you know, were we taught self defense in karate yes we were so for anyone out there that thinks that karate is just too hard style or doesn't teach real self-defense right um 
practice a little more and and that's all I really need to say practice a little more and do some research <laughs> because you know um the reason why I say that is normally people that say oh karate's too hard style and it's not for real or people that have less than 20 years experience in it and have only done something like MMA you know or krav maga and haven't experienced a traditional a truly traditional martial art before right i mean i was told even when i was you know learning cards that oh karate lacked flow or whatever and i'm like yeah nope but you know whatever i didn't want to argue with anybody you know because i knew where the flow was in karate and the people that kept saying that didn't didn't practice it for 20 years like i'd already did you know and they just lost you know just came up with a stereotype but anyway you were saying Totally forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> Were you gonna say yes? It does. Like no, no, no not at all. But you know, it, like I said, I forgot what I was gonna say. So uh, it's all good. <laughs> My mind's going mush. All right. Um. So what else? Okay. So um, started learning Kaj, and then 1994, I got my teaching certificate in um, uh, Tachikembo. So yay. And uh, while I was teaching Khan at my studio, um, a friend of mine, Cheryl Johnson, who I eventually opened up uh, Kaju Campbell School uh, and One Hopkin Doe School with, uh, was teaching um, at night, was sharing um, stuff at night as a, as a brown belt. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of cool. Um, let's see. Amy Kerniger goes, Kathy, more power to you. You go, girl. Dustin writes, mid-90s, Cat was one of the fighters I liked to watch and learn from. Uh-huh. Crisp hands, quick on the feet, aggressive at the right times, perfect fighter, really. I haven't seen a modern stand-up fighter in the women's division yet who impresses me more. Aww. God bless you, Dustin. Aww. God <laughs> bless you. Aww, how cool is that? And Jane writes, in 1999, I was carrying my sparring partner, <laughs> and I had to wait 15 years before we could fight. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Right. Hey, it's Sifu Remilio. How's it going? Yay. Glad you're watching. Yeah. 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 We've also got um, Mohammed uh, Jabir um, Albuatea watching. Who else is watching here? Matt Stone still watching. Yay. Excellent um, point. Dustin goes, um, it's not how good of a system you practice, it's how how good you practice your system. Amen. Amen. And that's exactly what I thought when people would say, Oh, karate is too hard style. You know, it doesn't have any flow. It doesn't, you know, (laughs) all I could do was just kind of sit there and kind of bite my lip because, you know, uh, when you, when you make a, a, a stereotype or a judgment on something based on outward appearance, uh, I can see why people thought it lacked flow. I can see why. I can see why. You yeah, know, but does it matter if it flows? I mean, I, I've seen, like seriously seen, people who study karate, and, and maybe you can knock it down to the individual, but I've seen people who study karate get into an altercation um, with somebody who's trying to pick on them. Mm-hmm. And they had no problem kicking the person's ass. I mean, no <laughs> Ex- problem whatsoever. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and 
did they need fluidity in order to kick the guy's ass? I don't think so. Well, you know, fluidity, I, I guess, you know, when people are looking at, like, let's say a karate kata, like MP or, you know, kusanku or oh, whatever. It's just a matter of taste and what you prefer. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, the way that karate kata is done in, like, world tournaments nowadays, um, it involves a, a certain... It's a different type of um, artistic bent to it, and it's very internal, right? And if you look, if you know what to look for, even when a movement stops, it's still moving. It's not a matter of a dozen movements strung together without, you know, without any break. Because um, for me, you know, I was taught back then that flow was not just body. It had to have been, you have to be flowing up here too. If this ain't flowing, nothing else will. Absolutely nothing Because anybody will. can, you know, if I if I were to, you know, grab someone off the street and say, okay, I'm going to teach you 10 moves and I'm going to have you practice it for the next half an hour and and let's see how fast you can do it. I'll bet in about half an hour, 10 so, moves? Okay, maybe In eight. 30, no, I was gonna say maybe eight. Maybe Who two. knows? You know, maybe eight. But you know, I bet that they'd probably be able to, you know, put it together. Not necessarily perfect, but they'd be able to flow with it. Move one, move two, move three. Move. You see what I'm saying? There are so many variables. There's so many variables to 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 flow. And so, you know, when people used to say, you know, some people would say, oh, kung fu's too soft, karate's too hard, lacks flow. You know, kung fu is unrealistic. You know, there was always ninjutsu is unrealistic and this and that. And it's only because of an outward appearance. And nine times out of ten, it's the people that have never studied it or quit within five years that had made um, a snap decision or a snap judgment like that. So there you go. All right. So now we're at 2009. That was only 10 years ago. <laughs> right? 2009. What were 20, you guys doing? 2009. No, two, that was 10 years ago. 10 years. 919. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where were you doing 2009? Where were you guys doing in 2009? I opened, a, I opened Azteca Training Center um, in 2005. And um, I was teaching Kung Fu as well as kickboxing. And um, <laughs> I, I built uh, a, a gym in the back patio of my house and uh, had a ring on one side, bags on the other side, reinforced the, the, everything so that you could train inside. I and mean, you could roll up the, the walls, literally, and act like you're – I mean, in the summertime, it was like you were in Thailand. Wow. It was stunning. Um, and I was teaching – actively every day kickboxing and kung fu mm-hmm. and and training in it and uh running fights and having fights at my house it was so <laughs> it was so awesome because um you know this is how all the amateurs in the LA area could you know actually we all just took turns holding fights and mm-hmm. we called them smokers they're still and, called smokers yeah and then of course the uh state athletic commission put a kibosh on that but <laughs> but there's we found ways around that meaning we held sparring sessions which they still do today they mm-hmm. hold sparring sessions and and you don't necessarily collect money but you just get a donation at the door or whatever refreshments we may offer mm-hmm. <laughs> or just sell refreshments but we would actually sell tickets and 
we made bank and they had lots of fights and it was so cool and <laughs> lots and lots of fun. Yeah. Um, that's what I was doing. <laughs> right. Sifu Romilio writes, Kung Fu soft, unrealistic, laughing my butt off. Yeah. I know. Right. Well, you know, I've, I've been told that, right. Okay. I was, I was actually still teaching karate when I started learning uh, Kaji Kembo, though Chun Fa uh, Kung Fu branch of Kaju Cannonball. And uh, I told people, yeah, I'm, I'm studying a, a form of Kung Fu. And, you know, it was actually a, a Botoku Kun person that said, well, Kung Fu is too soft. You know, I like karate because it's hard or whatever. And I went, wow, you have no idea, do you? You know, it's funny. You have no idea. We used to laugh when they'd say that to us, Kung Fu is soft. Really? So really have soft a punch and I me. stick my fingers knuckle deep in your eye and I crack the base of your skull and I stomp on your knee? Oh, that's soft? Right? You okay. Know? Well, you know, like, um, I remember the first time, the first time I saw Hungar Kung Fu and Choi Le Fat Kung Fu, because there's a Hungar Kung Fu school and a Choi Le Fat Kung Fu in the International District in Seattle. At the time, those were the only two Kung Fu schools down there, right? Under uh, Makin Fai Sifu and under John Leong Sifu. And they were incredible schools. And, you know, I was brought up watching them, but after I started learning karate, I was able to look at, you know, Kung Fu forms, you know, the kind of like the same way I looked at, at uh, I looked at kata, kata, you know, kata is an art, right? You know, kata after all means shape. It's the it's the shape of the of the routine uh, and, and how you do it that is important, not necessarily how fast you do it or how cool you can do acrobatics, right? And I used to look at kung fu forms the same way, and I was amazed at the flow at, uh, of you know. Hungar and Charlie Fudd, just amazing flow. But then, you know, you, uh, here I am hearing karate people saying, oh, well, whatever, it's it's just too soft. But after seeing some of the actual self-defense applications, right, I was like, holy moly, that works. And then when I started looking at um, how to glean self-defense techniques out of your forms through Kajikambo, learning a different way of thinking about it, I look at Hungar and Charlie Foot Forms now and go, holy moly, that stuff's dangerous. Yep. You know, <laughs> if you know how to find the bunkai or the application out of it, not just, you know, the outward, downward block punch, you know, type thing, right? Um, and let's see here. Hold on. Let me back up. All these, all these comments just came in. <laughs> um, Let's see. Romilio said, I attended a, a tournament recently and realized that all the forms on the highest level all seem to be the same to me. And uh, yeah, that kind of depends on the uh, on the tournament, doesn't it? Haven't you like gone to tournaments and all the forms seem the same? No yes. Way. Um, but it, it, then it be, then it comes down to the way they perform that form. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So the individual and their artistic flair. And their perception of it. Yeah. It makes a difference sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Romilio said, you know, that he had no idea that you were a Kung Fu stylist. A lot of people don't know that Kathy is a Kung Fu Sansu master and has studied other martial arts. Everyone just uh, assumes you're just a kickboxer. I know. Right? I remember one time somebody goes, well, I said something like, well, you know, if you had other 
martial arts experience or whatever. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Right? These yeah. people had, you know, no idea yeah. that you actually had like 30 something years, you know, master rank experience in Kung Fu Sansu or any other martial art. Right. They just thought you were a sport fighter. Yeah, it's okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. 2009, Amy Kerniger says, I was rocking it in Seattle, bomb diggity. It was awesome sparring with the peeps, <laughs> stick fighting. Getting bunked in the head. Thunk. You know, Fighting. you know what, Amy? I this is funny, Amy. I I got a little taste of a, a little bit of a flashback to stick fighting because I actually walked in to my uh, to my uh, oven range hood because I was uh, trying to turn around and mop something behind the behind the stove. Right? We moved the stove out, and I went to go turn around, full force, tong, right right in the corner. Of the oven's range hood, and it hurt. It. So I, I said to myself, I'd much rather get hit in the head by either Cheryl, Amy, or Matt. <laughs> the three people I know that know what they're doing with the stick. I'd much rather get hit <laughs> in the head. I think I, there's got to be a mark there. No, I look. There's no mark. <laughs> God, I still feel it. God damn Good that thing hurt. She has a hard head. <laughs> That hurt. Clay Worley, how you doing, Clay? Thanks for watching. Clay writes, relaxation is key to developing speed. Amen, brother. That yes, is, is, you know. And with that said, that's a, that's why a lot of people judge Tai Chi because it's too slow. Too slow and relaxed. They can't do anything fast. Um, the last person I got hit by really, really fast was a Tai Chi person. Yeah. <laughs> Bo Jackson writes, I broke my back right. in uh, 2009. No, 2004. Or 2004. In 09, I'd been out of martial arts for five years because of that. I met my current instructor in February of 2011 and was back. I've been going hard at it every day. It turns out the fire never actually died. Good. Yay. God bless. Good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in uh, two, 2009, um, I was, uh, I had gotten over. A, uh, a bad back injury. Uh, back in 2000 or 2001, I had uh, injured myself uh, badly. <laughs> I'd injured my back pretty badly. I was actually training at that time for um, the World uh, Wushu Games in Malaysia, and that was going to be my retirement tournament. I was I was bound and determined to go there and get one or two gold medals. Um, if not like nice. the sweep, right. Cause you have to do, you know, um, uh, an empty hand form, either non-twin or long fist. I just, I wanted to go the whole non-twin route. I wanted to do non-twin, non-dao, non-gwen, the Southern, uh, you know, Southern fist, Southern staff and Southern sword. Right. Okay. And I was training like every day for that. Cause I wanted to win the sweep. Right. And that would be my, you know, my international world champion thing and I get to retire. Well, I uh, did a demonstration where I took this wonky jump turn kick and I landed wonky. I was supposed to land in a fall, but when I landed, I landed too flat, too flat on an unyielding floor. It might as well have been, yeah, not good. Might as well have yeah. been concrete. Right. Um, and I did this to my vertebrae. They went squeak. Just like that. So Damn. that little gray thing in the middle, the spinal cord, yeah, I like kind of 
fuck that up really royally, <laughs> you know. And uh, about a day later, um, I couldn't really feel my hands and my feet. I could still feel the rest of my body, but I knew something was wrong. It felt like sciatic, the worst sciatica I ever had, except in both feet and in both hands and even up in my scalp. It was really weird. Man. You know, and then um and then on bad days it would feel like um it would feel like my whole body would itch on the inside. On the inside. (laughs) Right. And it was that kind of pain, kinda like that that yucky pins and needles feeling. And I dealt with that for years until um it just resolved itself. And um gosh, you know, I, I was hoping that I could find out what exactly was wrong i was actually hoping that maybe my my uh neurologist would find something wrong but they couldn't find anything wrong and i'm like well why am i feeling like this and it had taken years at least you know two or three damn that had to be very frustrating it was because like this like if i grabbed like this i had to be aware of me holding it but if i held like a glass like this i would not know you know that it's there and then i'd be dropping stuff uh my foot dropped my sister's dealing with that right now is she peripheral peripheral neuropathy yeah she's she'll grab something and hold it and doesn't feel it in her hand she'll she'll try to grab something and it'll fall out because she can't feel it. yeah you can't feel it you know and if i could feel stuff my hands would feel kind of doughy like they were made of dough so i so it was like i barely feel it like kind of numb but not um, my legs would be numb and I got drop foot for a while and I had to teach myself to walk again, um, because I kept turning my foot under and, you know, I don't know how many times I must've like, you know, gave myself small sprains and didn't feel it at all, Man. you know, but it was, it was frustrating. There were times where, you know, if I was laying down, the pain would be so great inside because like I said, it, it was like uh, pins and needles on the inside. I would cry. I would just cry. And, you know, you know, like how people are with the worst migraines, they'd slam their head up against the, the wall oh, and cry and yeah. just like, get it out. It was the same thing. And I got kind of depressed for, for a while, but, um, it's Sarah. Where's the cat? Okay. She's behind us. Okay. Well, hi kitty. She's wondering what the heck's going on. What happened to her chair? Why well, are we all in here? What are you doing? She's got the w, WTF look. <laughs> fuck have you done with my my, my office <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right um do, 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 do. Whew, more 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 there's more um let me back up here um bill wallace went undefeated with five, just five techniques it was extremely good at applying those five moves it boils down to how good you are not the style why do people not understand that and keep judging styles you know I don't know, Dustin, but it's like, you know, when black belts start judging styles that they don't even know, right? Um, that's when it, that's when my patience t- starts to wear thin. Whoops, a little bit. <laughs> so, um, and hey, Cheryl Kowalski is, is watching. And so is Eric, Eric D. Saxon. Yeah. Uh, Vince Gist is also watching as well as Rachel Anderson. Yay. <laughs> Lupe Garcia is watching. So hi, Cheryl. Um, 
Cheryl writes, I lost it. Where'd it go? Uh, Cheryl writes, great show, ladies, amazing martial artists. Thank you. You are too. You are too, Cheryl. Um, Romilio writes, I know she could be much behind. Did not matter what she knew. Um, And then, and then this one, cat's a badass. I don't know about that. (laughs) Kick much behind. There's a few things I do very well. John writes, the trashing of each other's martial arts styles is probably going to last forever. Ever. Yeah. Well, which could lead into the next, going to the next segue into what do you think martial arts is going to be like 40 years from now? Yeah. 20 years from now. Exactly. 30 years from now. 50 years from now. Yep. Um, Ramelia goes, retirement? I've been saying that since my 30s. Be 54 in the next four months is still competing. Us old folks never quit. That's right. Well, actually, I was going to retire from competing in wushu and just concentrate on teaching wushu. Um, I went back to competition in 2015. I came out of retirement to um, to try my luck at Tai Chi. I wanted to see. I was actually genuinely um, interested in finding out whether or not Taiji would be able to beat out the fast moving kata people. And it did. <laughs> and it did. I guess, you know, like you said, it's all a matter of how you perform it. I did my routine kind of like in the entertainment division. So I, you know, I searched for months looking for a perfect song for it and uh, just practicing the form. So that way there was no, you know, you know, falling off balance for one leg, one leg stances and stuff like that. And I guess it did okay. Two years in a row. <laughs> so yay, yay! I am, uh, I am wanting to train for going back into doing nanquan, um to try to get through the whole routine uh, without hurting myself (laughs) because that's how I injured my back. I took uh, a jumping spinning whirlwind fall and landed, uh, jumped up too high, landed from too great a height on too unyielding of a floor. And, um, and yeah. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Not fun. Uh, Mark Coleman. How you doing, Mark? Mark writes uh, regarding speed you don't want to move as fast as you can. Move as fast as you need to. With this attitude, you'll probably be more relaxed and probably move faster anyway. Speed without good mechanics and structure is not all that great. No, it's not because that's where you start like hyperextending things. <laughs> right. I'm yep. Gonna, are you seeing where he's talking about? I'm dealing with neuropathy now and hearing you talk about it is nice. When I lie down, the pain is in pain in my ankles and feet used to be crushing. Much better now, but still there. And as you said, numb. Yeah, numbness and lack yeah. of lack of control. Yeah, more than more than kind of sucky. Yeah, more say. than kind of. Yeah, it, it was because you know, and I'm sure you you know you you can relate to this, Mark. Is that you know, as a martial artist, you know, you for me, I prided myself in having you know, a bit of control over my body, right? And to do such fine motor skills that, you know, maybe 80% of the population can't. And for me to have problems just holding up a cup, 
or tripping or not feeling the ground when I try to get out of the car or having to look at the, I mean, I could still drive, but if I couldn't feel my foot, I find myself going 90 miles an hour and didn't know how (laughs) I'd have to look at the speedometer. Right. Um, you know, and when I was driving a stick, I would literally have to like find it, find the clutch with my shin and follow my foot because even if I put it on, I couldn't tell if I had it on the pedal. It was that wonky. That is not good. And sometimes when I put my foot on the clutch pedal, it would be like pins and needles. So you know that feeling, right? When you're in pins and needles uh, and something touches, Yes. it would be like that. And I, it was just awful, you know. But, um, you know, just, you know, keep hanging in there, Mark, because eventually your nerves will get better. I was... uh it was suggested to me to take uh, a lot of B vitamins. I forgot which B ones I took. I think it was B12 to help with the myelin sheaths, um, um, you know, get back to par and stuff like that. But, you know, however, you know, even though I can feel my hands and feet to this day, if I lay the wrong way or sit the wrong way, I will feel it in my hands. It's weird. You know, and uh, depending on how I sit, and it kind of re-replicates how I fell. You also can't lay on your left side for very long. No, I can't yeah. lay on my left side for very long because then my hands start to go numb. It's kind of weird. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So uh, it is 724. Uh, Romilio writes, all I know is that the ghosts of our ancestors past are rolling in their graves. The more martial arts, the more martial art in general progressives progresses, the more we all can be disappointing. Um, and mm. uh, Dustin goes, really? that's true. I have clicky joints from years and uh, I was one of those fast guys. Uh, slow down, use a bag to absorb the pressure, pace yourselves. Dog shit fast. Don't shit long. <laughs> Um, Amy writes oh yes Amy has this cool story to tell Um, Amy writes I sought personal martial arts training after a wicked heart surgery in 2001 my sternum had been cracked down the middle and it debilitated my athlete self for many weeks after the surgery I found Sifu Rastita and Guru Cheryl and I knew that I had found the way to make um, to make my every tomorrow better than today, it would be me. I trained and I knew I would rock it, but bam, we all have the power. <laughs> Yay. Yay. You go, Amy. Yeah. You go, Amy. Um, Eric. Hey, Eric. Eric writes, we spoke at length today in class about Aikido techniques and law enforcement. It gets a bad rap. But I can say with certainty that many of the lower level techniques served me very well for decades in law enforcement. I don't like it when any style is disparaged because there's a wealth of wonder to be found in any style. It's akin to setting on your favorite food and never eating anything different. Variety is the spice of life. Why not sample from everything that all the arts have to offer? Exactly. Amen. Like, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Serious. Because it's true. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Good instructors. Here's a here's another uh, great nugget from John. Good instructors who are teaching people to better themselves, and not just teaching people they consider better than everyone else. Right. I was lucky to have instructors who always encouraged me to train in other arts and learn as much as they could. 
not just from that particular art that I'm studying, but mm. others. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the way I was raised, literally, in martial arts from mm. 14, age 14 on. So it just seems odd that people would seriously criticize other arts when they haven't even tried it yet. It's like having a little kid say, oh, I don't want to try that. When I don't want to eat that when they've never tried when it. When they've before. never tried they've it. They've never Ooh, tasted it. It's gonna it's yucky. How do you know? I just know. Well that's yeah. them. Yeah. Being a, I just know what they're saying is I just know that I don't wanna try it. That's what they're saying. Right. Um and Eric goes, if the new Taekwondo uniforms are a sign of things to come, we'd all be doing ballet. <laughs> okay, you know what? Let me wait. He doesn't like ballet. Okay, I mean, I like ballet. However, let's look at the new Taekwondo uniforms. I am going to look one up here, and I'm going to share the photo. New Taekwondo uniform design. Oh my! <laughs> I, okay, this is going to be new to me because I haven't seen them. They're they're interesting. Um, there's this one. Let's look at this one. Hold on. Um, I need to bring it up. Well, I remember when they first came out with the pullovers as opposed to the well, the, the pullovers, the the pullover dough box have been around like for a long time, forever. Um, but then there's hold on. Let me show one here. Uh, I'm trying to bring the. Come on. <laughs> Where's the there it is. Okay. So let me uh, bring this up here. Uh, well, how do I? Huh. Hold on, folks. Let me open the link in a new tab. Okay. Let me. <laughs> Hold on, folks. Meanwhile, uh, Cat, go ahead and address the comments, please, while I go look for this, because this is ridiculous. <laughs> yes. And I can't post, I can't seem to post. Uh, what we have here is talking about the new uniform. Oh, my uh, God. John Lupo saying, I must have missed something here, but Janie was writing, Eric, I highly dislike, now, dislike the new Eric uniform. and Jane, are you guys talking about the, like the, the ones that are like form-fitting, kind of like uh, uh, spandex? Almost are you talking about those ones? Because those ones are butt ugly. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't like them either. Well, all right. Look, if you're skinny, okay, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, here, let's um, let's look at this. Uh, here's one variation. This, this looks for, like an aerobic outfit. Yeah, and and this this is this is for the ladies actually. So let me go ahead and um, let me see about uh, sharing. Um the screen here let me taekwondo in men's tights does doesn't sound comfortable <laughs> it might actually be very comfortable if it's stretchy and spandexy so oh man <laughs> let's uh let me let me look here um, 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 um i'm trying to remember how to uh text on screen how you doing anthony add edit agenda how do i like i completely forgot how to how to share yep the spandex. screen um, let's see here. Yeah, the spandex ones. Oh my God, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to. How do I add the media? Hold on, folks. Um, you know this uh, studio two of um. Oh wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on, folks. Hold on, hold on, hold on. She's remembering. I'm remembering how to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm remembering how to do this. Let's go back. Um, because they are but ugly, but ugly, but ugly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they look like uh, they look like something like you know something out of like um, um, Logan's Run. You remember? <laughs> I never saw that movie. So. No, Logan's Run was from the seventies, and it was like a a sci-fi thing, and uh, everyone was like in a community where, like, when you turn where you turn thirty, is it where you turn thirty? You just kind of disappear, and you know that when you turn thirty, you have to go somewhere to be just killed off, right? What? Um, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, go figure, right? Okay, weird. Okay, so let me upload this picture, and and um. And Janie says that this Dobok is supposed to be for the Olympics. What? Yeah. And it's just not, I don't know. They're going to be able to move easily, which is good, but yeah. Yeah. Here, let's, let's look at this. Okay. So, all right, here we go. Let me uh, bring it up here. Here we go. Yes. Okay. Check this out, folks. I'm going to push it to the stream here. All right. So this is the spandex Dobok. <laughs> yeah. And back to Eric Smith's comment. If the new Taekwondo uniforms are a sign of things to come, we'll be doing, we'll all be doing ballet. And yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and here's a, let me bring a different one up here. Um, I'm going to download this one now. Now check this one out, folks. Let's um let's bring it on. Let's uh but yeah, can you believe that? I mean, granted, sure it's 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 light. <laughs> and it and it moves with you and it doesn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're trying to we're trying to find nice things to say about it, but who put this who put this up? And you know, Eric goes totally Logan's Run, totally, yeah. And okay, here's here's another here's another version of it. It's like so this, Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I can see that too. Star Trek. Yeah. So this is this is it, folks. This is the uh, um the dough box. Right there. <laughs> oh man. And um yeah. Dustin goes, Oh crap. The same thing happened to uniforms that's happened to cars. Jane goes, I wanna know where her Star Trek communicator is supposed to go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And Matt goes uh, times change. We're moving into the future. We wear modern fabrics. It's really no surprise that the sport category of a martial art is moving toward an athletic uniform appearing uh, competition garment. It's true. In Wushu, let me find one here. In Wushu, um, the um, a lot, I don't think I can find one time, but a lot of the um, traditional like Jingmo type things, the short sleeve Wushu, uh, uniforms are using breathable fabrics. The thing is, though, is that, you know, since silk was being, you know, used for, you know, the wushu uniforms and tai chi uniforms, um, 
you know, stuff like rayon and polyester and stuff um, and other man-made man-made fabrics or synthetic fabrics, um, they're still made with the same amount of flow as the silk ones. So, you know, you can get a synthetic um, short sleeve wushu uniform and belt for a little, little bit less than you would buy, a, you know, a raw silk or a custom um, silk uniform. And but they still flow. It's just that you know with these dough box, the the form fitting. I, I guess it just looks odd. Okay, so to what me. do you mean by dough box? Dough box is the name of the, oh, the uniform. The I uniform. Think. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Because I had this odd visual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and Matt goes coming from a non taekwondo person. It might be. Make it easier to see the hands and feet during competition, making it easier to score during a match. Um, I look at it this way, though. I mean, you know, for a pullover, here's the thing. For a pullover, you know, not too bad. Would I wear it? Probably not. That would be like having a karate gi made out of this fabric um, that actually crossed over the, 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 where the lapels crossed over. I don't know if I'd wear a, a karate uniform made out of this stuff. Um even for just forms, even for just kata. Um, well, I can see that it's streamlined and not bulky and light. Um, so, it, you know, it does count for ease of movement and and being able to have, you know, the freedom to do whatever you mm-hmm. want. Um, but it looks more like a, literally like a Star Trek uniform or a... a Logan's shoot. run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, um, John goes, they say clothes make the man, but this makes me want to give someone a wedgie. <laughs> Steve Hartlinger says, hello. Hello, hello, hello. And Eric Dutra says, I like 14 ounce brushed cotton. Lots of snap. Can't hear silk snap. Just my personal fre- preference. Um, It doesn't really snap with, um, however, with, um, with some long sleeve Tai Chi uniforms, um, I've made, it doesn't really go, you know, like it would be for, you know, uh, you know, duck canvas karategi, but uh, I have made uh, silk long sleeve Tai Chi uniforms snap during um, uh, sword, uh, Tai Chi sword movements. I used to do a, um, I used to do a form called the Tai Chi 42 form, which was a mixture of Yang uh, Chen, Wu, and Sun style uh, Tai Chi, right? And of course, since it's got Chen style in it, you have like the Fa Jing movements, the fast movements. And it was always my sword hand that would make the noise. It would just go just like that. Not snap, but whenever there was a thing. And in slow motion, it looks pretty badass when you see all the silk go and bounce off your wrist. Yeah, it's nice. You know? Yeah. And then come back. So, anyway pretty cool um but i like my my uh, heavyweight tokaido geese um i remember when i got my first tokaido my first tokaido gi was free that i got um as a black belt uh getting my shodan black belt as a gift from my sensei and then when i bought um my second third tokaido geese in the late 80s they were like a hundred 30 bucks and that was a lot of money Dang, back then money. but now 
Tokaido heavyweight karate gis can be upwards of like three hundred dollars. It's like I can't afford a karate gi, <laughs> you know. You know, so I I've gotten ki um, heavyweight gis. I've gotten century martial arts heavyweight gis. Yes. You know, um, relatively cheaper, but wow, three hundred bucks. But one of these days, I do want to get a Tokaido. Gis for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu are, you know, the skyrocketing in style as well as price. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, it, it's amazing how how high tech they're getting with their gis. You know, making yeah. sure there's reinforcement in all the different areas. But man, you pay a lot of money for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, because like, you know, like Kat and I each won um, a set of. Uh, jiu-jitsu gis, right? So we looked up the brand. I forgot the name of the brand. Me too. <laughs> but that was like a $200 gi. Dang. You know, we won it in a raffle. You know, it was funny. Like, we looked at the raffle stuff. I'm like, oh, I want that purple one. And she goes, I want that blue one. And so <laughs> we put in our raffle tickets and stuff like that, and they got drawn, and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, but we looked them up, and they were like 200-something dollars. I'm like, dang. I know. Yeah. So we start doing jujitsu. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd I'd like to lose my gut to be able to fit in this in these geese. I mean, I don't understand what is with the fit of jujitsu geese. Does every jujitsu practitioner have to be like thin? Um, Well, you become thin if you practice it enough. I mean, seriously. (laughs) I mean, do you have to be thin? No. Because I've got a little bit of a gut, and the pants fit me fine, right? The arms fit me perfect, but they. My lapels don't cross. They kind of meet in the middle. <laughs> we'll work on that. I swear to God, I think if you put the, if you cross the lapels, there's only this much space. Okay, this much space. <laughs> there's only this much space around. I am not that around. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> oh my God. They're cool geese. They are cool geese. Eric goes, I like my KI, still under a hundred. Exactly. I I've got like the the yes. top you have that I'm that I let you borrow as a KI. I've got like three KIs and I, I love them and and um yeah. So anyway. Um Ryan Fitz is watching and Eve Eve um B is watching. Who else is watching? Steve Hurlinger. All right. Well, we are, we've got 20 minutes left to our broadcast before blog talk radio kicks us off audio. Um, Actually, it'll kick the um, other part off audio. Um, So since we're on blog talk radio, if you guys want to join in on the conversation, feel free to give us a call right down there. Three, four, seven, six, seven, seven, zero, six, nine, nine. And that is our phone number pick up your phone you want to join the conversation and join us that way instead of having to type really fast feel free to join us um so let's move on a little bit um kat and i are are curious as to where you guys think martial arts is going to be in 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years right i mean let's look at the last 20 something years just for modern mma you know, yeah, but modern MMA is a sport, just like kickboxing, just like Muay Thai, just like boxing. Mm. It's a sport. So 
is that still going to be around in 20, 30 years? Probably, because boxing is still around. It's been around for a very long time. Right. Kickboxing has been around for a very long time. So so will MMA. But again, it's still it's just a sport. Yeah, but it's the, not a martial art. The evolution of how it is now, based on what it was back then, right? Right during the grainy VHS tapes and stuff like that, right? Was people would from different arts would come in the ring. You know, here's a sumo wrestler. So here's we're talking a, from the very beginning, though. From I mean, the very even beginning, very quickly it changed. It did, very, but you know, quickly. I remember just within those first couple of years, people were still coming in in their uniforms. They were coming in the uniforms, and they were trying to do uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> yeah. with striking. Yeah, ba- basically. Well, I mean, a lot of people didn't – I mean, it was the Gracies that introduced that to it. But I I remember seeing, like, guys coming in there and just doing, you know, kickboxing pretty much and then trying right. to wrestle, right? you know, uh, in karate geese and me, kung the, fu uniforms. The evolution of it has been pretty – you know, I mean, there are, there are times when – kickboxing was on the rise and then wrestling took over and then judo was this and you know and if you didn't if you weren't proficient in all of those arts at some point right then you you your weakness would be outed right big time but this is when in the beginning where they were trying to figure out you know what is the dress what yeah. are you going to wear what is the protective gear um right just like boxing you know they they wore long pants and shoes and had no gloves and then they went to back in the day yeah back in the day back right. in the day they wore knickers, <laughs> knickers. <laughs> right. so but you know you can see after so many years that um the type of clothing that is worn in the sport right is one or one of two things either mma shorts or tidy whities yeah well you know <laughs> it, i can kind of you know see I mean. why it it went yeah. that route because you know like professional wrestlers you know wwe wore only you know shorts or in that case little trunks tidy whities and you know bare legs and 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 you know bare chest and stuff like that i mean you know did it give more of a warrior mentality to the uh to the ufc for the guys uh, yeah you know, but I, I just thought it was interesting that in the last 20 years, how it evolved, you know, because like back in the, you know, back when it first started, you know, term, you know, terms like Kimura didn't, you know, come out there. And my God, why do people say it wrong? Because they don't know any better. Kimura. You know, how do you, do you guys know how to say, you know, Kimura? You know, I mean, look, it's look. Kimura. Americans bastardize all kinds of shit. <laughs> I mean, it just it on. just drives me insane. It's what we do. Kimura. <laughs> Kimura. Karate. <laughs> well, they, karate. They, they didn't even know what Kung Fu was when it first came to America. They called it karate. Karate. They didn't know, and they were more familiar with what karate was. K-U-H-R-O-T-T-E. Karate. <laughs> I'm just kidding, everyone. It just... I'm just just making fun now. Just making fun. All right. Um, so anyway, I'm, I, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just fascinated by the, the, you know, just how it evolved within the last, you know, 20 years. Right. So, so where is martial arts going to be? Let's, let's take MMA out of the picture because that again is just a sport. Yeah, it is. Oh, I gotta, I gotta answer Dustin. He goes, Jesus Jones, you're not that big. Well, you gotta see this, this top though. I swear to God, it like. One side crosses like to here, and then the other side crosses to like here. 
And there is no, like, crossover. <laughs> it just kind of meets in the middle. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking I bet a nine-year-old wears this game. <laughs> But you know, twelve-year-old girl. Here's the deal: if you're doing if you're doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you're training every day and you're rolling with you know different people in the class, you will get skinny. There's no doubt about it, because it's highly strenuous. It works absolutely every muscle in your body and then some. Yeah. All your stabilizer muscles, all of everything, and it, you will get in good shape just by default if you <laughs> practice every single day and you're rolling like you're supposed to be rolling. So if I were rolling like every single day, I'd eventually fit in this uniform in like what a year? Less. <laughs> Less. Trust me. Less. All right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Bo Jackson's got to go. See ya. He uh, says he really enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time, Bo. Thank you very much for watching. All right. Um, In Russia and Europe, Eric Smith writes, team fighting is exploding. I think the evolution of sports martial arts will will continue to grow in violence. Weapons will be introduced. You know, I I have seen footage of that in Europe where it's pretty much like tag team group MMA. It's it's interesting, and it's like uh, in my head, it's borderline like barbaric. You Tag know, team group. Yeah, MMA. it looks. It starts out looking like a you know WWE battle royale, and that's where everybody's in in, in the ring. Oh, WWE, right? Which means it's all choreographed and well, no, I mean the, the the team fighting, the team fighting is team fighting. I'm not quite sure. The, the the one I saw was that you had red team, you had blue team, right? And that everyone gets in there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which you meant that ganging got, up I've on actually, people was I've allowed. I've seen those before. Right? I've seen those before. You're, I, I understand. And, yes, it is actual real fighting. I've seen it. It's and, real fighting. Um, and um, it's it's – I don't even know if you can call that a sport. Because people that get hurt, lots of people get yeah. hurt. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how get hurt. I don't know how the rules would be able to make it fair. Like, if it gets to the point where there's two on one, then there has to be some kind of rule where someone has to sit out unless this or that happens. You know what I mean? Um, I have no idea. I have no idea either are. because if it, if it is allowed that two people can gang up on one person, then then someone's going to get killed eventually or someone's going to panic and, you know, poke somebody's eye out. You know what? Um, when I was training at Eric Colson's gym at CSW, we did a version of that, uh, the Battle Royale. Where, yeah. You know, it was like. Everybody, it's everybody, you know, totally yeah. free for all. I mean, I get it. We used to do the sparring, you know, that way and stuff. Yeah, that's how I got my black belt in karate. We had to do the battle royale, but it, uh, but in a situation like that where it's like MMA, yeah, and you have we were, to knock somebody we were all out in a cage. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yep. It was awesome. That's true, but still, I mean, someone's gonna get hurt. Um, and uh, yeah, I agree. Eric goes, um, you ought to hear me count in Korean with my Texas accent. <laughs> I'd love to hear you count in Japanese. In reference Ichi, to us, us Americans. everything. Sichi, Hachi, Go. Kuju, right? Anyway, can you, can you count to 10 in German? 
Non. French? Un, deux, trois, quatre. That's all I get. Cinq, six. Oh, it goes on. Okay, Tagalog. No, I no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, language. I actually met a Chinese guy from China who moved to Alabama oh my God. to teach Shaolin Kung Fu, nice. right? So he actually has a Chinese Southern accent. It, it, it exists. Folks, it exists. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> it exists a Chinese Southern Southern accent. Accent. Uh huh. That's right. I, I kid you not. I I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I kid you not. It's pretty cool. <laughs> when I when I first heard it, you know, I was like, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yep, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, um, John writes, um, I'd like to believe that we will see a resurgence of committed instructors who are teaching martial arts for the sake of teaching others to better themselves. I believe everyone has the right to learn and learn right. Hopefully we will see a reduction in, in McDojos and movement back towards smaller schools that foster good students and not just their bottom line. So but that's just me being optimistic. Hopefully we'll see a, re, a, a reduction in McDojos. And, well, I mean, that's what he writes. I know. And, you know, we can hope, but it, it comes down to those who are teaching martial arts to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, there's always going to be that fine line between, you know, having a business that allows the owner to live comfortably and then um, having a business that is only concerned with the bottom line and only concerned with, you know, the assembly line type of black belt thing. You know, get them to black belt because they can pay like $500 per black belt. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um you know, yeah, but those are the people who've fallen in love with the money and the concept that, you know, I, I can buy the a nicer house and I can have a better car and I can have it's all the materialistic type uh-huh. things things, which you know, you can't take in your grave with you. Right. Right. But Yep, yep. Those yep. are those are the ones who forget why they're teaching martial arts. Yeah. Uh Dustin writes in and writes that traditional martial arts have become watered down over the years with younger generations. Um, I still enjoy sharing with older generations and passing it on to young people. Whatever happened to hard knuckles and sore tendons from training, the new traditional schools have turned it into tickle slap daycare centers. Keep it simple, keep it specialized. Um now here's the thing though, you know, um I teach kids. Plain and simple. I teach kids. Um, oh, you teach adults too. And I teach adults. However, and you know, I will. And well, I think my kids are kind of badass too, because that's the point. I'd like to think that my one is not a daycare center. But the thing is, is is that too many of these glorified daycare centers um, that upsell the next club, right? You know, every month, oh, time to join the Black Belt Club. You know, time to join the, you know, uh, High Kickers Club. Time to join the, you know, Splits Club. You know, and it, and each club is like $10 more. 
you know, a, a month or whatever. But I'd like to think that my dojo is not a daycare center. I, you know, and I, I teach, I teach my kids, you know, the real art, you know, uh, nothing watered down. However, 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 with kids, you know, you have to modify the curriculum. I can't teach a kid the same thing I teach adults. Now, if that's what people call watering down, <clears throat> then okay, so be it. I've watered down, you know, a curriculum for no, six-year-olds. I, I'd say what you're teaching is age-specific. That's a good way to put it. It is. Because okay, because if people are going to call that watered down, I'm going to be like, what are you talking no, about? No, you're not going to teach right? a six-year-old to stick your finger knuckle deep in somebody's eye and have them practice that. Well, no, day. not so much that, but I'm not going to teach them that, oh, this is the history of Kaju Kenbo. You have to remember all, you know, blah, 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 52, whatever, right? Or this is how to do, and or explain what chi is, or expect them to do tai chi the way that you're supposed to do it as an adult. That no, it, it's age specific. I like that. I like that that phrase, um, because you know some people look at that as watering down. You know, and, and any dojo yeah. that teaches kids is a daycare center, and it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's not. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Um. So, anyway, um, it is 7.55. Hey, nobody called in. It's because no one's used to it yet. <laughs> I've been away. I've been away from the, uh, the, the, the using the landline and the cell phone thing for so long that I guess, you know, we can, people are going to have to get used to it. So, let's try this just for fun. I want to kind of test this. So, if you could do me a favor, Kat. And go into the next room and call this number, right? I want to see how it sounds. Okay. Right, but you have to go in the next room. I know. I just want to write down the phone number. I want to see how it works because because I just, like, managed to, like, bring everything together. And I just kind of want to see if it will work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 347-677. I don't think you saved it. No, I didn't save it. So just go six, into seven, your seven zero six nine nine. Yeah. So just zero, go into uh, six nine nine. Okay. Yeah. So just go into the next room and call me. You can't right. call me from there. From the phone? You can't call me from that. You can't press okay. on that. Okay. okay. I kind of want to see how this works. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Go in the kitchen or someplace where I can't hear you. Okay. All right. So we're going to figure out how this works since we have a a few minutes left. Um, Dustin goes, um, oh, Dustin goes, that's different than what I'm referring to. The places I've seen just don't teach repetition, and they don't do any conditioning. They just play the whole time. You still have structure um, and start them out right, so don't get me wrong on that. Oh, okay, great, because I was wondering whether or not you thought that um, – um, you know, teaching, uh, modifying a curriculum for kids is watering it down. And I'm like, well, I have to. <laughs> right. Um, Eric writes, I watch on my phone and can't call when I'm watching. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, in situations like that, then you would just be listening to the show if you just called. <laughs> right. So let's see what happens when Kat tries to call the number. Let's see what happens here. In fact, let me close up all of these other 
thingies here. I had to I had to close the uh, the Taekwondo uniform thing because that was whoop ninety seconds. I think that I think they're telling me that I have ninety seconds left on this. Are you gonna call me or what? What do you mean it won't go through? Let me see. <laughs> Let me see. This always happened with with your phone. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. Why won't it go through? Three four seven six seven seven. Right? 0699? Yeah. What? See what I mean? Well, that's weird. It is. Okay. Huh, that's weird. We'll try again. Here, try on my phone. Alright. Just I'm just I'm just curious. Let me okay. see here. Let me get in here. Three, four, whoops. I'm just curious. It's three four seven. Oh, whoops, yeah. Three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Okay. Did I press did I press it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, let's see what happens. It said I just tried calling it and went to dialing and con- and continued to say that, huh? Hmm. Well, that's weird. I guess it's not. It's not working. Oh, is it? Here, let's see. Ringing. Ringing. Of course, it's not ringing over here because we're technically off the air. We are. Yeah. Damn. Technically. Well. Hello. What's it say? Oh, is it just ringing? It's still ringing. Oh wow. <laughs> it's just ringing. Uh, bummer. Well, that's weird. I know. Huh. Well, apparently it wasn't working um, for for um, Nathan either. So weird. Anyway, so that's our show for tonight, folks. In fact, let me end this episode on Blog Talk Radio. Let me go ahead and hang up with Blog Talk Radio here because end the episode. Are you sure?